When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? We are back, baby. Back on the podcast grind. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being loyal to the podcast. Today's podcast, we have an amazing conversation with the German Shepherd owner, working working line German Shepherd owner who's struggling with severe leash reactivity. Uh, she's got great experience in uh, working with dogs, and this is just uh, out of her expertise. So we break down. There's 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 one thing, and I'll tell you, I'll kind of like do a little spoiler thing. There's one thing that I said in this podcast that I've never said before that I was like, oh yeah, that's good. At the at the end of the, the she was talking about doing IGP or Schutzen or whatever they're calling it these days about, basically, if you guys don't know what that is, it's a basically a competition for your dog. So your dog has to be obedient enough with a lot of different distractions and do all these really cool things. And you get graded off of levels. So you go level one, two, three, kind of like, like a black belt. You kind of like scale up. And so she was like, yeah, we thought about doing that, you know, because of the dog's background and genetics and blah, blah, blah. And at the end, we kind of tied everything together. I said, look, telling your dog not to be reactive regardless of like what they want to do innately and because they're a German Shepherd and they're vocal or maybe they're excited or they're overly stimulated is the same thing as doing like an IG3 or IGP or um, a Schutzen or a ring sport where you're like, it's compulsion. It's no matter what you want to do you can't do it because you have to listen to me instead. So, you know, like a, I don't really follow ring sports or anything like that, but for like PSA or personal protection, like level three, you're basically going through a gauntlet of challenges and there's going to be a ton of different decoys and people around trying to get your dog to slip, trying to get your dog to make a bad decision and your dog has to be lasered in on you. And so you're using compulsion. You're like, hey, you can't make these decisions. You got to pay attention to me regardless of what you want to go do. And so we kind of tie these things together at the end and, and it, it just makes for a, a great conversation. And so we talk about the remote caller and she's using it uh, for recall and she's using the pager and it can, is it can, it can be confusing to the dog. So yes, it's another German shepherd that's reactive, but there's a lot of things in here that we haven't talked about before that I think you guys will be interested in. Um, we just got back from tour. We're getting back into the swing of things. We're very excited to be back on the grind and be home. I personally, some people will be like, oh, like tours over. Like I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited to be back home and, and get back into the groove of things and work. It makes me the happiest. So, uh, thank you guys so much for the support on the podcast. Appreciate you guys a lot. At the end of the podcast, we're going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So make sure that you guys are paying attention and and getting to the end of the podcast to get some more benefits out of the podcast. And if you want me to answer your dog training questions, all you have to do is 
go to the iTunes review chart and leave your question in the reviews there. And if you're listening to this on, what's the other one, Spotify, leave a review if you find this podcast helpful because it it means a lot to us to grow and continue to be the number one dog training podcast in different countries as well. So uh, here we go with the podcast. Guys, enjoy. So you have a three-year-old German Shepherd, right? Right. She's your, she's a, I've had her since eight weeks old. She's your uh, long coated black and red shepherd. She's really pretty. Okay. Um, she's basically from what I'm seeing is more like dog aggression and like resource guarding. Um, I'm an experienced German shepherd owner. I've had them all my life. I've trained them in obedience competition. I've got a border collie does agility. I've done, uh, obedience with border collies breed ring um i even trained one of my english bulldogs for obedience she was like number two in the country mm-hmm. but you know i can train a bulldog to go over jump with a dumbbell but i cannot get a good handle on ruby's issues so that's what i was hoping we could get sort of a, a better training plan sure. together sure. for um so we are currently using a prong collar and i have the doctor collar we started in august with that and it's set at five and the basic issue is we will go out. Um, I'll work with her generally in the parking lot of the dog park. And um, it's like every day we go out, it's the same thing. She explodes. I get her settled down where we can actually walk down the sidewalk outside the fence. But then the next day we go back and she's doing the same thing all over again. It's like it's like there's, there's no so what do you- behavior. What do you mean she's doing the same thing down the sidewalk? What what does that mean? Okay, so when we get there, um, well, there's a couple things. When we get there, um, I take her out of the car. We're at a, what she considers a safe distance. Mm-hmm. Um, as we move a little bit closer to the fence, um, she, she's okay. The dogs, she sees the dogs. And then all of a sudden the hair goes up. She breathes fast. And by the time I give her like a page, and tell her, you know, let's go and move on. Um, she's usually the first time she sees the dog, she explodes. And then as we work like about 15, 20 minutes, then she's better. I can walk her by them. But then the next day, it's the same thing all over again. Um, her training background is we went to a, um, you know, most I live in Dallas, which most of the people here train that hippie positive. You know, they faint if they see a prong collar. Um, I did take her to a local school down the road where I had taken my border collie for agility and thought, well, I'm just going to take her to the puppy classes. Mm. She'll be, and then I was going to join a working dog group. I really wanted to do shit. And I hadn't done shit before seriously anyway. And she comes from working line dogs. And I thought, well, that'd be fun. Unfortunately, COVID hit. And of course, you know, you, you couldn't even go anywhere with a dog. I mean, we got kicked out of Lowe's because people thought, dogs carry COVID, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm an ER nurse too, by the way. So I'm really used to looking at things and trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, when the classes started up again, the minute I brought her in the building and she saw the other dogs, um, she just started barking at them. And some of them, you know, they had some of those doodle dogs. And every time I brought her there, she got worse and worse. And basically we got kicked out, but they said, oh, let's just do some positive training, you know, it, the light didn't go on in my head just yet, but she, um, they, so we did this thing, you know, where they mm-hmm. had the dog far away and I, you know, treat her and didn't happen. So they said, oh, she just needs to mature. And I'm like, <clears throat> whatever. Mm-hmm. And then took her to, who's a dog behaviorist here in the area. 
I used to um, foster for English Bulldog Rescue. He'd helped us with some of our bulldogs. We started working with him, and then I realized it's the positive thing all over again, no corrections. Um, and I'm like, no, this isn't, this is a working dog. This is a dog that this is not how, how she's, you know, this is not the way to train this type of dog. So we stopped that. I started working with her myself with the prong collar, just, you know, no, leave it, turn away, that kind of thing. Yep. Then we went to one other guy who sort of, he was, he was doing corrections, um, kind of like Caesar who I don't like. And then this other lady, I forgot the name that he follows. He actually helped me make some quite a bit of progress with her. Um, but, and he told me, well, you just have to manage your behavior. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's not working either. Um, then, um, in August, I decided to get the e-collar. I was really against it because, you know, years ago for like with obedience and all that, I thought they were just like more for punishment. So I did watch your videos <clears throat> and put that on her. And it's just so like, I don't know if I need to turn the amp up with her because, for example, I, I take her out and she's with a border collie, my border collie, who's totally non-reactive to other dogs. She plays with them. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it doesn't rub off, but we go out to a big soccer field. I put a 100-foot lead on her with the e-collar and um, she is very distracted. She won't run after a ball. Uh, she likes to chase him, but she doesn't, she doesn't have a lot of toy drive or food drive, which, you know, in obedience, it's not that's not real good that you don't have a dog that values right. something. So once she's done sniffing around, she will engage with us. Um, we also have an area where it's a big six foot fenced off small football field and I can leave her loose in there and I work on a recalls and the e-collar has been great for that. I mean, she turns on dime, which is the pager, but if somebody walks by the field with a dog, She's streaking out there. I have to go up to the boost and I have to hit it a couple times. And I know it's working because I see her head move mm -hmm. before I can get her back to me. So I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong with the e-collar. What I don't know if she's got some sort of emotional issue going on. Unfortunately, she was an import from Romania. Um, so I'm sure they don't raise puppies the way we do in the U.S. But she was fine when I got her as a puppy. And then just all this is like... This is like all the things going on. Um, she's also um, doing some different things at home. Uh, the English bulldog I have now is a rescue. She's she's got a lot of resource issues, and she will sometimes get into a fight with the border collie, and then Ruby jumps in and actually breaks it up, and she'll start a fight with the border collie. But then I break it up, and they go out and play. So it's just I don't know. There's just all this stuff going on, and I'm just not sure. Okay. What to do. So, and that's kind of All where right. I am. That's so, the things that are going on. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, uh, right now, her reactivity is towards every other dog that she sees, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> Small, big, it doesn't matter. Even if they're just walking by and they don't even acknowledge her, it's a, if they look at her, then she reacts more than if they just walk by and don't pay attention to her you know right. obviously she thinks they're going to engage um okay. she amps up and you know normally when i see a dog coming towards us you know i'm ready for the behavior the minute she starts breathing fast the hair starts to go up i'll tell her leave it and you know mm -hmm. i hit the pager and you know we'll like 
turn, maybe make a right turn and, and move away from it. I mean, that's what I'm doing. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. But if I'm not fast enough or the dog comes out of nowhere, she will literally explode. That's okay. the way I can describe it. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So my suggestion you know, is a couple uh, a couple different things is there is going to be – there's like a blend of things that should be happening. And so there's going to be the positive reinforcement, which – of course, is to encourage behaviors. And then there's going to be punishment, which is to discourage behaviors. And then there is going to be some bit of management. And management is going to be like a well-rounded, hey, this is this is a dog that is you know acting a certain way for certain situations. Meaning there's going to be some dogs that are going to be reactive and it's going to be warranted. You're walking down the road. Another dog comes barking at the fence, freaking out. Your dog barks back. It scares both of you. That's management. That's more like, all right, yep, let's just kind of move on and and get out of this situation. Ultimately, we would like you to be able to walk anywhere uh, without the reactivity. So there's going to be the modification side of changing the actual actual perception of how the dog is associating the the your dog is associating other dogs. So right now she sees another dog. She sounds like she's leash reactive, which is common. It's very, it's built off frustration. It's built off of fear. It's built and, and fear can be multiple different things. It's not like, oh, she's terrified of these dogs. It's sometimes it's, she doesn't know what to do, which is a sense of fear, right? She's just like, I don't really know what to do with this. So it's like this suspicious fear, uh, kind of thing. And, and, and your job is to be able to, you have to be able to, what, what, what I've started to kind of coin is like deactivate and dismantle the build. So the, the, I've been working, especially in my seminars, when we were on the road, we worked heavily on, deactivating builds and I really didn't put a lot of dogs in my hands. I was really just working on the owners and we worked heavily on how to get a dog that is reactive to disengage off of things that they were curious about, which then led them to reactivity. So, and then there's going to be again, like the punishment, of course, like if, if she does over, overload and, and, and go over and explode. That's where punishment definitely will come in. Um, but I think what would be more successful for you guys is just not, not to get to that point yet. Right. And we wanted to come to your seminar, but it's like a four hour drive and two nights hotel. And I just, with a reactive dog, that was going to be a problem. And unfortunately, most of the people around here don't use e-collars. It's all the positive stuff. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, but but again, like, you know, there's 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 it, it, it there's people who so I, I tend to find that, again, like positive reinforcement training is only to encourage behaviors. That's it. So if you have a dog that has a behavioral problem that you want to get rid of or you want to change or you want to modify, there's going to be punishment involved to some degree. So, yeah, there, there are training camps that just only want to shape behaviors and create behaviors, which is, which is typical basic obedience, which is fine. I'm just saying like when you're in an area that there's, there's people who aren't skilled or experienced enough to start doing punishment or is comfortable with doing punishment. But I think even bigger than that, I think oftentimes it's 
it's individuals who aren't comfortable working with the dogs that require punishment is actually the case. Because a lot of people I talk to, like yourself and other dog owners um, across the world, they're like, we don't understand. There's nobody here that you know, trains like you or does punishment or whatever. And it's, it's really not a, it, it typically doesn't boil down to people being one way or the other. It comes down with typically when you're dealing with dogs that require punishment, people aren't, the, the behaviors that go with that people aren't really, and that could be as, as, as easy as a puppy jumping up on a little kid and holding the mm, leash down right. that's punishment or it could be something like leash reactivity where people are just kind of like eh, yeah that's not for me so anyway <clears throat> um i would i would suggest again like a lot of what i call dismantling and and countering so when you come up to a dog and or you come up to a situation where there's other dogs there's there's how you handle the situation and then there's also what comes into bigger play is how you're actually handling the dog. So when you go up, it's important not to make your dog nervous by any means. So making sure you're what, what, what's your dog's name? Ruby. Ruby. Right. So when you go up and you see another dog or you see in a situation that could warrant another dog, it's making sure that you handle that situation with Ruby come Ruby heal. But what often times people do and what you kind of mentioned that you did is you're already loading the dog up by telling them like ruby leave it so you're telling the dog to like hey this is a big deal and so you got to be careful and mindful of that because that's gonna load the dog up even more unfortunately so okay so how you handle that situation is going to predicate the success of how your dog dog handles that situation um, and I know right now you're using an e-collar, but are you, so when you're out with her, what type of actual leash are you using? Um, I'm, I'm like, uh, she's got, well, I guess a couple different leashes. I mean, when we actually, see, you know, I'm used to training, so I will take her out for exercise and then we go over usually to the dog park parking lot if we haven't encountered any dogs when we're out. I mean, I tried it plan but she's got like a she's on the prong collar as far as what she's on okay and what's with a, what like size eight foot six foot leash okay do you know what gauge the prong collar is um it's the kind that buckles in the front um i don't know it's okay. typical i mean it's the size i've always used on my german shepherds in fact i ditched the old ones that don't have the buckle release so it's just a regular mm-hmm. prong collar okay yeah, I was just curious because the the gauge of the prong is gonna um, is also gonna help um, with trying to figure out how the dog is is behaving. So that's that's an important thing. Um, yeah, it's just your average size. Okay, it's prong probably a th- with a yeah, it's probably like a three point Okay, probably. <clears throat> okay, that's okay. Um, so let's let's just paint a picture so i know that you said that when you go up and you see dogs you start telling her to leave it and she starts to build uh when she starts to breathe heavy and she starts to get her hackles up you start to tell her like hey leave it um how are you handling that situation so you're out for a walk you see a dog she does hackles she does the build you tell her to leave it how how do you actually physically do you just push right on and keep moving forward or how do you handle that um so we generally 
don't walk down the street. I, I've, there's loose dogs around here. Um, but what, generally when I see a dog, I, I tell her, leave it, let's go. And I usually turn away, um, do a right hand turn away um, from the other dog. So we generally don't pass by the other dog. I'm just, I guess in my head, I'm just worried that she's going to get, her behavior is going to elicit a dog fight or something. It just depends on the other dog. If the other dog is calm and walking on the other side of the street and not engaging with her, we'll continue walking. And I'll just say, leave it, let's go. Um, I might, if she doesn't really listen to me, I might pop her with a prong collar and say, come on. And then she calms down after we move what she considers a safe distance, which is maybe the width of two streets kind of distance. Okay. All right. So, and, and it, so when you do see another dog, when you're out for a walk, you are, what are you doing? You're, you're moving backwards. You're, you're just going the other way, right? We're going the other way. We're moving away from the other dog. Okay. So as you're moving away from the other dog, that's when she starts to decrease her reactivity, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So your goal is to be able to hit these more head on and not have to turn away. Right. And that I can, there's lots of walking trails around here, but I'm like, so afraid that we're going to, a dog's going to come around the corner and, and I'm not gonna be able to handle the situation because it's gonna be like a surprise. You know, um, I've kind of given up on the idea of working her in Shitson. That's, that's fine. Um, but I, I just, I'm just worried about getting surprised with another dog. I myself have had bad experiences, not me. You know, I've had to pepper spray dogs in the past that have tried to get us. Um, I've seen dog fights at dog shows. So I kind of know what happens. So that, that's going on in my head. And I'm really am trying to stay calm when I see another dog. I'm just very much Ruby, you know, let's go or leave it. Let's go and try not to make a big deal out of it. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and and I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to isolate your biggest problems. That's the only way I could yeah. I could help you. And so there's there's a couple things popping up. There's the surprise dog, there's the off leash dog, and then there's just yes. the regular dog. So can you just right. can you try to like break down exactly what you're seeing on a neck on a like a regular basis? Because the off leash dog you can't do anything about. And yeah. the surprise dog you can't do anything about because what, what, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, no, no matter how good you are at handling and no matter how good your obedience is, like if I turned a corner and a dog popped up there, I would probably just pull my dog to the side and go away. Nothing would be leaned on against my obedience there. So okay. when you're, you, you can't, you can't predicate your success off of things that you can't control, right? It's like if you go out okay. and, you're, and you're driving and you're like, well, I'm really scared to drive because I don't want anybody to just randomly come and hit me or I don't want to drive down the road because I'm afraid somebody's going to crash into me. It's like you can't live your life off of well, when I go out for a walk, I don't want to to be surprised by anything. I mean, that's just – yeah you know, there's not much you could do about that. And, you know, the off-leash dogs you can, because if you live in an environment where there's constant off-leash dogs, then you're going to have to just walk your dog other places because you don't have the ability to train everyone else's dogs. But I'm trying to isolate, like, mm -hmm. the, the realistic problem that we can tangibly work on. And and it sounds, that, it sounds like that would be when you're out for a walk, she starts to build. But... Right. So right now, when you see another, so that's that's the problem that we can 
realistically work on that anybody would have expectations on that when you're out during that problem, what you do right now is you see that dog and you go the other way, correct? Uh, correct. Okay. And usually when we're going the other way, she's turning back and staring and, um, until we get what she considers a safe distance. Um, you know, she's, we, as far as mixing the e-collar into it, we are, you know, she's responds. I mean, I can, as long as she doesn't see another dog, like if she's loose in that football field where, I, you know, so they can get exercise and they go out four times a week. Um, she, I can hit the pager and say, Ruby, come, and she turns right back. Or I can hit the pager and she comes right back. She responds to it until she sees another dog. Right. But I would say that you're using them. So you're using the pager for a recall. And when you're using the pager for a correction, it's two different things. Because if, if you're recalling with a pager, that just means, Hey, I want you to come to me. That does, that's not a correction. Okay. That's how you're using it. So when you're using, you're trying to use the pager as a correction when you've already applied the context of communication with it. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't even think of it that way. Okay. Yeah. Because it, I mean, and, and if you think about it as a foundational obedience thing, your dog is out and you hit the pager, she comes back good. You hit the pager, she comes back good. You hit the pager, she comes back good. And if her association of the pager thus far has been a very communicative, hey, this means I want you to return or whatever, then when you're out and you're using it as a correction, it's not going to mean the same. But also, the more you use the pager, the less effective it's going to be in a situation of a correction. Because the pager essentially is just, hey, snap out of it. And if you're using the, hey, snap out of it over and over and over again, it's going to lose its power, if you will. Okay. So that's, those are, those are things to consider moving forward that you're using it as a, basically an attention getter for, excuse me, for recall. And then again, because you're using it so much, it may not be any of, of, of use to you when you need it for a correction. Okay. Yeah. So like there's two situations, I guess we're looking at we're putting her into when we're walking and like i said a lot of times i have border collie with me too and he's he's just terrified when she does this and mm-hmm. you know we see another dog and you know it's ruby leave it and we move on and there's also a situation where she's running loose you know for exercise in this big uh enclosed football field so um <clears throat> I, I have had dogs pass us by and sometimes we just, there's no way to move off to this. I, I can move her off to the side and, and get her to sit, but she's like tears up and she's choking herself with the palm collar. So if you're, you were talking about the, how, how we act with other dogs. So, yeah. So that, that's in when you guys are out in a field and your border collie is off leash and you see another dog, is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And then, and then another dog walks by or is in the field as well. And then that's when Mm -hmm. she's, she's kind of uncontrollable. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and and like you said, the hard thing is, is because she's not, she's not um, motivated by a food or ball. It's going to be hard to say, Hey, let's just do this instead. The best thing to do is, and this is, this is going to be your overall 
goal is this is going to be all handling. So this is this is the difference between traditional handling and more freestyle, which would be the difference between like a, a very traditional style trainer on, on obedience versus like, hey, let's just figure this out. They're two separate things, which is probably why you're having a harder time just because they are like water and oil. They really don't collaborate at all. The only, the only, I guess, common thing they have is you have a dog at the end of the leash. That's about it. So, so what I would do is, is do the best you can to, you're, you, you get what I, what I typically do is I get a four foot leash and then I get the dog at the end of the leash and then I work on like little recalls. So I'm countering the build with a lot of obedience and a lot of attention getting. So you don't want to just, it sounds to me like some of this is definitely going to be the way you're handling the situation as well because you said that you get you get nervous and and you're probably talking to her often like ruby let's do this let's do this let's do this let's do this and again those are all things you want to stay away from because you're alarming her even more as she okay. as okay. she builds and it 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 comes down to her situation getting worse than it needs to be so you're out and again, I'm just going to throw things out there that typically we see. I don't okay. know if you're doing these things or not, but typically what we see in a situation where you have a really reactive dog and you're nervous and you don't want anything to happen and you're unsure of the outcome, typically what we see is another dog comes out and we say, Ruby, come, Ruby, Ruby leave it, leave it, leave it, Ruby, come. And we do these, we kind of add these like little chirps in there and the dog is already loading and then they continue to load and then they explode because it, it it's basically tipping right. them oh. o- over that edge and you have to be really careful how you do that. You want to be very precise because doing that type of, I mean, think about it in like any other, any other thing in, in the dog world, uh, showing a dog for, for competitive show or obedience or in Schutzen or in anything else that we do, we are cheering them on. So everything that we say out of our mouth is encouraging them like, yeah, good, 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 good. Like it's egging them on. It's throwing gas. It's throwing gas on that fire of like, we want this to continue to happen. And when another dog comes into the picture, they have zero defining things between you saying, yeah, this is good. This is good. This is good. Versus you going literally, you're saying the same tone, just a different verbiage, which of course dogs don't speak English. So you're like, leave it, leave it, leave it. Good, good, good. So as you're throwing that information on top of her already, like, oh shit, what are we going to do? That's typically the first thing I'm like, Hey, just stop doing that because you're riling thing. You're taking things from five to 10 yourself you're already bringing the dog there so just be mindful of that because that's okay because a that's what i usually see and b realistically uh, it would be i don't want to say impossible but i i would say that it would be almost impossible for you to get your dog to calm down regardless of how good you are in at handling if you're verbally gassing the okay. dog up okay yeah. So there's that. And that's not an easy thing to do. People who are standing right in front of me that had had hired me to have them train, I'll say that to them. I'll stop them as they're doing it and they'll still do it all weekend. So that's not an easy thing to do. So I would just suggest like, again, be mindful of that 
and and make sure that you're aware that that is something that could make things worse. Okay. What All I right. what I typically do is I. I, I do a lot of anchor backs. Uh, so I do a lot of drawbacks. I call them like like quarterback drawbacks because that's exactly what it looks like. You just draw back to the dog. You say, Ruby, come. And so you're countering with obedience. And so if okay. she doesn't come, she gets that quick pop. She gets that correction. And then from there, again, this is where the creativity lies. And this is where the discretion lies on the dog's uh, behavior. Some dogs are very, very, very motivated by certain things so you can easily like if it let's just say she was motivated by food ruby come right and she looks at you she comes to you you pay her you put her into a sit you're hanging out there um and then you know and then the dog passes and you say okay break and then she sniffs around and you're good but if she's not motivated by food there's other things this is where i don't really know what to tell you to do because I don't know how she's going to behave, but you can do things like body blocking. You could do things like focus on me, but realistically you're just trying to draw her out of the situation with obedience to, to make sure that she's paying attention to you. But again, there's like this upsell and downsell thing that kind of go in between and after is you do not want to do this only when you see another dog because you'll fail. So make sure that you're doing these exercises out of the context of the dog's reactivity or more importantly, the dog being the other dog being around because then you'll condition and cue her that when you say Ruby come, she's immediately going to start searching the area for the other dog because that's the only time you do that with her. Right. There's, she's super picky about food. There's a couple of treats that she will eat. So I can reward her with food. It's just only certain, I don't know. She's a little weird about food. I I have a hard time sometimes getting her to eat, but um, that makes sense. um, It kind of sounds like that I need to go back to the short recalls that that on the four foot leash and kind of go back to all that Mm -hmm. more without the dog, you know, around. The reason I go to the dog park parking lot is so that I can, set up the situation so mm-hmm. I can train her. I mean, that's kind of like when I train you dogs for obedience, you always work around distractions. So it sounds like I need to kind of go back and do some more work like that with her. Yeah. I think uh, again, like you're, I want to like lay some foundation down too. So again, you're not going to be able to, it's going to be very hard for your dog to be successful under any circumstances if you aren't doing the right things verbally. So like, again, don't like not gassing her up, not getting her overly stimulated. All of those things are important, but then again, also making sure that your obedience is tight enough to get her to that point, because usually it's just really messy. It's just really messy. Like I talk to dog owners just like this all the time. And it's, it's like, leave it, Ruby, Ruby over here, over here. It's okay. It's okay. And it's like all that. It's like, boop, red flag, done. Nope, done. End it. Not going to get, nope, can't do anything from here. That's, that's just immediate fail. And then after that, again, like their obedience isn't tight. So you don't have these drop, like what we did on, on, on tour is uh, we had a lot of dogs that were similar like this. Like they weren't really aggressive. They were just reactive because they, the owners didn't have any control. And that was just, that was just like a baseline thing. And so what we worked on are these inside turns, these outside turns, these drawbacks. And typically 
like we come to this conclusion like you just did where you're like, oh, oh, we need to go back down to the basics. And it's like, yeah, probably because your basics are going to like if your dog is reactive, your basic obedience is your your communication. Like the way that we communicate with our dogs is through behaviors. So just like with kids, yes, please, no, come here, sit down, whatever. However we communicate to individuals is is how you're going to try to communicate with your dog and what to do. So she sees another dog. She goes into SOS. Oh, shit, what do we do? And you don't – if you're – obedience which is the only way you can communicate with your dog in these circumstances is not tight and is not good then you will fail but you but i want you to also understand too that over the years this is the people who have um like a six month old golden retriever puppy that wants to go and get pet by everybody will have the same problem if they don't have the good basics so it's not just the three-year-old Ruby German Shepherd that's working line that's reactive. It's if anybody doesn't have good, clear, communicative skills at a baseline level of okay. Ru- Ruby, come here. Okay, sit and stay. Got it. Ting, ting, ting. If you don't have that, you, you, like anybody's going to have a hard time with, with their dog. So I just think you should get – yeah, you should definitely get back down to the basics because – and, and, and I'm trying to be um, also playing devil's advocate for you to be fair to you that oftentimes dog owners see a problem like this and they go, this is a problem. This is frustrating. This is annoying. You've gone through X amount of trainers, whatever. You spent a lot of money and time and energy into this and you're just trying to find this. What do I do to turn it off and how do I turn it off? But oftentimes you have to remember that when we have this kind of complex uh, reactivity behavior of like uh, alert barking and frustration and insecurities and fear. It's not just a, you know, if your dog was pulling, I would say, well, we have to teach your dog how to heal. And you're like, oh, okay. I'm like, does your dog know heal? No. Okay. Well, then that's what we got to work on. But when you're talking about leash reactivity, ultimately we want to modify the dog's perception and, and not get them to be reactive but again, at the same exact time, you have to make sure that, again, your communicative levels are there and understanding that okay. it's not going to be, it's not going to be this easy shut off. Nine times out of 10, maybe even more, a dog like Ruby that's reactive, I would take and within 10 minutes, the dog's not reactive anymore. Yeah. And so that tells us that it has absolutely zero and I mean double goose egg, to do with the other dog. It has to do with everything on how you're handling the dog. Okay. So if 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 you came into my facility and I said, hey, Ruby, how are you? Good. And I met her for a second. I would bring her out to my room and she'd smell the other, you know, my big training room. She'd smell other dogs. She may see a couple dogs in the corner. She, I say, Ruby, come. Boom. She gets corrected because she's not paying attention. She comes zipping back to me. Oh shit, I gotta get back. To-. And I go forward and I and I do it again. I say, Ruby, come. Boom, she gets corrected. She's like, oh crap. So that's punishment. It's punishment for not doing a very basic thing that she should have known at four months, which is basic recall on the leash, right? Leash okay. pressure plus recall. 
So Ruby, come back to me, come back to your handler. You know, I'm just anchoring back. I'm doing this drawback. I come out, she's stimulated. She flies at the end of the leash. I say, Ruby, come. She says, screw you. Who are you? Boom, she gets corrected. And then typically I'm able to go forward and then do this little stop and go red light, green light thing, which I've done many, many okay. times. And the dog is yeah. locked in. Okay. Yeah. So again, I would say that you should be focusing more on your handling because again, okay. my job is, is as a consultant is to also look at how much work you've done with all these other people and realize, yes. and, and, and also realize that don't try to look for any type of solution that's going to just quickly fix anything. You have to realize that the biggest problem or the biggest hurdle or mountain that you're trying to get over is how you should be handling this situation and not how your dog is actually handling it. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense. I'm, you know, I, I really don't think, I mean, I, I wasn't looking, I knew that there wasn't going to be a super cure for this behavior. I mean, it's obviously something that's been building up for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it makes sense for me to kind of go back to basic obedience and try to get her more focused on me. Um, okay. Yeah. So how, so how do I handle then like every day we go out for exercise, like I said, the Finn's with us, the border collie, um, you know, he needs exercise too. She's basically sniffing the ground, looking for, you know, sense of other dogs. I can tell when she smells one because her hair goes up. Mm -hmm. And then after a few minutes, she's interested in engaging. She usually likes to chase him. She's on a hundred foot field lead, so she can't get away from me. Um, and she will even go get a ball. So that that's our basic exercise, unless I let her loose in the football field. Now, it, I guess what I need to do, should I not do those things with her until I get the basic stuff back under control? Or, you know, that's her exercise. And then we walk for 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. So I'm trying to understand if I need to shift. I, I understand I need to work with her more without a dog around and, and get that focus back. But is she going to understand, like, when we're out getting our exercise that we do every day, is that going to damage what we're trying to accomplish? Because she is kind of doing her own thing, sniffing around until she's ready to engage in the ball and, and playing. Yeah, th yeah, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's important for you to be able to uh, put on the work and then the, the break. So you, you have to make sure that when you're when you are working with her and you are engaging with her and you're telling her like hey let's 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 work it's important that you uh, are able to turn that on and off off you know you what, what you're doing with her so that's really up to you okay. what, what I would do again like with a dog like this just kind of painting a picture is um, I just you know when you go outside to be Ruby break you know give her a free let her sniff around let her be a dog let her run do whatever you do and then uh, when you're ready to work it would just be Ruby come or whatever but you have to make sure that you also can you you have to make sure that you're able to hold her accountable when you ask her to do stuff so okay. that that's going to be important so I would just I think you mentioned this early on is you know you know when to turn the work on and then when to turn it off. Okay. It's something you've been doing already with your other dogs and stuff. So I just think when you're out with her and you're and you and you want her to 
do whatever she wants to do, that's fine. Like, let her be a dog, let her sniff around, like, let her be the dog that you love. But when you're out for a walk with her, like, let's say you, you're going for a half an hour walk with her. And so you, you go outside and you're walking with her and every, you, you have to practice. So like every, I don't know, um, two, two to five minutes, I mean, maybe five minutes, you would just do this little tune up without other okay. dogs. Like you have to make sure that everything that you do is out of context of these other dogs, because that'll set that will, con she's smart enough where she'll condition. I've seen dogs do this all the time and you don't want to do that. You don't want to just, oh, let's work when you see another dog. What you want to okay. do is, again, yeah. inside turns and outside turns and recalls. Just those are like three basic handling left-hand turns going the other way, right-hand turns going the other way. Of course, the dog at your left side. So if you're doing left-hand turns, that's an inside turn because the dog is on your inside. And then outside turn would be the opposite. And then your recall is very simple. You're just going to draw back and you're kind of trying to throw her off 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 guard. Okay. You're trying okay. to say, hey, pay attention to me, basically. Hey, come here, come this way. So this will keep her engaged with you. So say you're walking forward and randomly you draw back and say, Ruby, come. And if she doesn't, she gets she gets a little pressure. And what that does is it keeps the dog sharp on you. It keeps the dog okay. engaged with you. It keeps the dog that's going to be really into what you're doing. And you're going to be doing this randomly. So I don't want to give you like, there's no magic number okay. it's just randomly say hey pay attention to me basically and you're just drawing back and she's got to pay attention to you and that's how you would do that in the beginning and and then you what you'll do is you'll go and you'll apply this to your walk and then when you see another dog it'll be then that's when okay. that's when your actual um that's when the rubber meets the road, if you will. So that, okay. that'll give you that opportunity to like use that. And, okay. and that's what, that's how you should handle the situation. Really. I mean, just going out and, and working on okay. your engagement and, and trying not because right now you're being reactive instead of proactive. Okay. So when you see other dogs and you see other people, you're trying to put out a fire. But what you right. should be doing is trying to create something that you don't even need to put out the fire for. So okay. you're saying, hey, let's go here. Let's do this. Let's go here. Let's do this. Good, good, good. Break. And so there's a blend of like, yes, it's avoidance. But when you're dealing with a dog that may be insecure, fearful, or frustrated, giving right. them giving them an alternative to like be constructive in a different way of like, hey, let's work with me instead like instead of sitting inside and playing video games all day, let's go outside and build something like being constructive with your time, you know, okay. is a good idea. And that's, that's what you're asking her to do. You're just saying like, Hey, let's work over here instead. Why don't you come and listen to me? How about you sit? How about you down? How about you recall? How about you heal? And so you're doing these things, but of course, without this goes without saying you want to be doing these things uh, in practice well before okay. you're trying to apply them for the real game, which the other dogs are going to be around. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so really I should be, I'll be working on those things and not even bothering with like the dog park parking lot and setting up situations until I get a really confident and more engaged with me. Yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. Okay. I think it's, it's going to, again, it's going to be more about handler development than anything because okay. With my experience, it just seems like all the really reactive German Shepherds that we work with are only reactive with mom or dad. 
And it's like, okay, well, that tells us that your dog really isn't reactive. <laughs> that tells us that whatever you're doing on the leash is creating the reactivity. And typically, it's the lack thereof. Of you're right. not you're not asking your dog to do anything. You're just kind of like holding the dog back. You're dampering the dog verbally with like, no, 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 leave it. It's okay. And and we just want to be a little bit more precision based. Like, hey, come, good, you know, things like that. Okay, so as far as the e-collar, just back off on that or not sure what to do with that right now then because obviously this is basic obedience, you know, that I just need, I, mm -hmm. I realize now I probably need to go back, like you said, and do that. I was wondering how do I mix the e-collar or should I be using it or just use the pager? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I, I don't know the answer because I don't really okay. know exactly how how you're using it entirely. Okay. I, again, like the e-collar is obviously a great tool to be using, but um, I'll tell you that I it seems to me that from what you're saying in my experience that I, I wouldn't want to get the cart before the horse type thing where okay. I think right now your basic handling is – what's going to ultimately help you can like a lot with the reactivity. Okay. And I wouldn't want you to fumble around with like an advanced tool if your basics okay. aren't super tight. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I would be using the remote collar in the future or like in tandem with the things that you're already doing, but just understand that I think that your reactivity is like the e-collar is nice, right? Because you get a, let's put it this way. You get, you get a dog that's again, traditionally leash reactive. They're like, rawr, 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 you know, they're like alert barking, get out of here. This is my mom. This is my neighborhood. Who are you? What are we doing? And then your obedience counters all that. Like we're become, leave it, heal, like pay attention to me, quit the shit type thing. And then you get just a little bit of pushback from them. And then you're able to use the pager as that excess like boils over and you're just and it just really kind of combines everything, includes everything together. Because yeah, maybe your dog is reactive and, and, and fearful and whatever, but your dog is still a working line German Shepherd. So you still have this very inherited vocalization likelihood pattern that's going to happen because you know that's that's what shepherds are like that you know even if they're yeah. whatever so i so i i would encourage you to use the e-collar where applicable but also just zooming out and helping you with the with the process and consulting the situation it really sounds to me that um, your handling is likely going to ultimately decrease because if you do this five times in a week where you successfully are able to handle this dog with minimal reactivity. The goal is for you to just walk by a, a neutral dog and sh she looks at them and she goes, oh, I guess this is right. how you behave. And you're like, yeah, good job. So as far as the e-collar goes, um, I, I think that you should just take the key points of what we talked about, about okay. making sure that if you're using it for, hey, come back here, it might be a little conflicting, but I think at the very most, it's not going to be useful when you're using it to deactivate reactivity. Because okay. that that pager, on a specifically like my dog your collar, that pager is kind of like this. Holy crap! What was that? And right. and that's the, that's the goal of it is to have this like fear instilled that when the dog does this really reactive behavior. 
then all of a sudden this thing kind of comes on and then they're like, I don't want to do that anymore. You're like, perfect. And so you can hit a button and deactivate severe, you know, reactivity issues because of that. But again, if you're using it kind of like every day through recalls, it may not be as effective that way. Okay. Um, so I guess my plan right now is to, to really step back and, and work on those things, especially a good idea. Like if we're out at the soccer field where I usually run her mm-hmm. to, to do the intermittent random things so that that will be good. Um, so if I'm letting her run loose in that field, the other field, and like somebody walks by with a dog and obviously I don't have her on lead and she goes charging up to the fence. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, actually, someone popped around the corner. I didn't even see them with a lab. And after she barked at it, she was trying to play with it. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm really thinking, you know, yeah. this is interesting. But if she's going at the fence, and do I use the e-caller then? Because if I call her, she will not come back to me. I mean, right now, she will not unless I hit the boost on the e-caller. And then she says, oh, I better stop this and come back to mom. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, um, so... <sighs> Um, yeah. and the other thing she is this at your house is, is this car, a- she's torn up I mean she's torn up the inside of my car because if she sees a dog like when we're driving you know she's barking and someone told me to keep a lead on her in the car and correct her but that's kind of hard to do when you're driving you know it's mm-hmm. a little yeah, yeah, yeah. dangerous yeah so she's and then you know at home she's looking out the window oh I see a dog and, and she barks and I want her to protect the house I mean that's one of the reasons I have her but, you know, those are situations where I don't have lead on her. I don't have control of her. They, they pop up, and I'm not sure how I should be handling that. I mean, I'm going to try to work on these other things, but when these things pop up, like charging at the fence or, you know, going crazy in the car, I, I don't know if yep. <clears throat> so it wouldn't be fair to use the e-collar in the car. I mean, she can't come to me. Well, um, exa- that's in the car. that's yeah. what I'm. That's what I'm saying, right? So yeah. if she, see what I'm saying, like how unapplicable that yeah. would be if you're like, yes, hey, exactly. this this pager means come, and then you're using it in the car, and she's like, what? I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's why the pager for me in most, ca- and, but that's why everyone okay. you know trains differently. The pager for me in most cases is like, whatever you're doing, stop, and this isn't going to turn off until you stop. And oftentimes dogs like don't like it. So it's really easy. They like, we had this dog at the shelter that they were like, I was working, I was just helping out and they were like really having a hard time with. And I just, and the dog just pancaked. Nope, not doing that anymore. And it was perfect. And and then they were able to progress. So it is fair to use if the dog understands the context of the collar and the way that when the collar turns on, that means you should stop doing what you're doing. But obviously, the way that you've been using it may may not be applicable. Okay. So ultimately, my answer would be your leave it has to be good. Like your leave it has okay. to be really solid, you know, in, in order for her to, to do that. But then also being able to enforce it with something. And then that's where if the pager is kind of like um, diluted, then you would start using your stimulation. Um, ultimately, I'd like you to be able to say, hey, leave it. And then the dog is like, you know, okay, fine. I'm, I'm going to stop. Um, that's ultimately my answer is okay. be- because you're taking, it, it, it's, it's still obedience. You're taking a, 
but again, you're t it would be the same equivalent of when my dog is running off leash with other dogs at the dog park and my dog won't come back, what do I do? And so I mm -hmm. would, because that's the most advanced recall you'll probably ever ask your dog to do. Right. And if your obedience and your foundation, your building blocks up into that point isn't even close to that recall, then you really okay. realistically and fairly to everybody can't ask your dog to do it. And it's the same okay. copy. It's the same copy and paste to the leave it. It's like, I want my dog to leave it off leash without being enforced with other dogs around our car. That's like the most advanced ask you can ask for. And if your leave it isn't like super sharp where the dog is like, oh, I know what this means, then you really shouldn't be expecting your dog to do it. Because okay. that's what I, I think people don't realize that some of these like asks that we're asking our dog to do because they're not traditional, like sit down, stay place. You're still asking your dog to do something. And if they don't know it well enough, they're just not going to do it. So, and then, okay. so you could use, so in the future, after you've worked on leave it with food and other dogs and other people and the favorite ball or whatever you can work on, leave it with, you could use, you could do two things. You can get, say your dog, say she's reactive to other dogs or other people when you're in the car. But of course, when you're driving, that's not, right. you can't enforce it. And that's where you've run into a lot of problems before is if you're working with individuals that only practice one quadrant or, or what we call one dimensional dog trainers, which means they only practice one style, only positive reinforcement, and you're okay. trying to discourage something it's not, you're not going, that's like going to the car shop for a pie. It's like, you're looking around mm -hmm. like, oh, where's all the pies? Like, well, you're at the wrong stuff. That's not the right thing. That's not for you. That's, that's, <laughs> it's not the right store. So my point is, is getting into the back of the, like parking in a location, a Walmart, a mall, especially during the holiday season, go to the dog park, uh, parking lot, go to that place where you're having trouble and get into the back and enforce what you, what you're saying. Okay. So leave it and then on the prong or on the e-collar or whatever, like you have to be there to actually enforce it. Okay. Yeah. And then the fence thing, is this at your house or is this when other no. dogs are? No, this is at, okay. So there's like around the core for us is a huge soccer field. And uh -huh. that's where I tend to walk them because I have good visibility of other dogs, but there is a small football frat practice field with a six foot chain link fence and I will let her run loose in there when there's no school going on so that she can um, get more exercise and, and not be able to lead all the time. So that's where she's charging at the fence if she sees another dog and then she ignores me mm -hmm. until I hit the boost on the collar. So to get her attention to come back. Yeah. I, I, I just, I think, um, realistically that's that's likely a recall to be honest like okay okay because you're just going against the grain at that point it's like okay i'm off leash with my dog and then you know another dog comes on the other side of the fence or my, uh, there's another dog or whatever even if there's again like try to i think what's really helpful for dog owners is if you copy and paste it in in a different context of okay. what if it was a squirrel and you called me say, hey, Tom, 
uh, I'm off leash with my dog and she's great and she loves other dogs and she loves people. But when we go out to the soccer field and she sees a squirrel or she sees a deer, she sees a rabbit, boom, she's gone. Boom, she's gone. She won't listen. So look at the problem. The problem is the same thing that you're dealing with is my dog flees away from me and will not come back or will not engage with me. So at its core, it's not so much about what do I do about my my dog that's barking at the fence. It's about countering okay. this with it, it's 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 compulsion uh, at its core, right? So compulsion training for for whatever reason in the in the industry for some reason is looked at as like this terrible thing where compulsion training is your dog wants to do something and you literally say no you can't and you stop them. That's compulsion by definition. So you are using your obedience to say like, no, you cannot go to the fence and habitually aggressively freak out at other dogs. And that may, that may be hard for her because of her nature. Again, telling like if you see a, a deer just bolts past you and you're like, Hey, don't go after the deer. It's going to be hard for your dog to have that off switch. So you're not going to be able to just say like, Hey, stop. But what you can do is you can build your obedience to okay. where, you know, like you talked about Schutzen or IGP or any competitive ring sport. Mm-hmm. That is at its core exactly what we're talking about. Okay. You're going to get challenged through levels one, two, and three, depending on what sport you're doing. And they have to make better decisions. And, and on the field and on the practice field, they're going to make it incredibly, almost impossibly hard for your dog to make good decisions with distractions. So they're going to go around and do everything they can to break your dog from the obedience that you're, that you've developed. And if you complete and your dog engages with you instead of other things, because they know better, then you will pass and get a certificate that says your dog is amazing. Right. (laughs) So it's literally the same thing. It's just, you know, if you had a, if you had a level three Schutzen dog, there's a really great chance that when you go out and you see another dog and you said heal, your dog's like, yep, I know, I, I know, I can't. Right. Regardless of what I want to do instinctually, I cannot go after or bark at this dog because my obedience is there. So I've never really put it that way, but because you've mentioned it, it's literally the same thing. Is the, Think about the amount of time and effort and energy and how good the obedience is on a competitive dog. And then kind of ask yourself when you're out and you go, you're dealing with the same thing. You're dealing with another dog that is, you know, getting your dog to be excited and, and, you know, go crazy and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're like, Hey, leave it. No, come. So I, again, I would say that you're, you should be countering with recall rather than telling your fish not to swim. Okay. That makes sense. I guess it's just hard for me to understand her. I've not had a dog like her before, you know, I've gotten perfect scores for healing with my border collie, but Mm -hmm. he's a totally different dog. And then I get her and, and she's just, and I I think a lot of it is her too, just not being super motivated. I mean, the only thing she really likes to do is they have those um, dog toys that look like a fishing pole, you know, with a toy on the, Oh, she loves to chase that. That is like the only thing she's interested in. So, and you know, some food works. Um, I think she mostly eats the treats because she sees the other dog eating the treats. But I just, yeah. But this gives me a good idea. What I need to do is to really go back to the foundations. Um, 
and work on some more of that with her. Um, and then I'm a little still a bit, I know we're almost out of time. So the e-collar, I should just back off on that for now. Um, well, I, I wouldn't be using it the way that you have. I don't okay. I don't want to say okay. back off because I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know if you've been doing it, um, you know, with your, like if you've been doing like stimulation uh, with your obedience and things like that, like, yeah, you can, that has nothing to do with what we're really talking about. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would just, I would make sure that you're, you're being very mindful um, about everything that you're doing but also understand like it's the same thing as you called me you said hey tom i got a six-month-old german shepherd puppy loves everything but won't come back okay how's your recall oh shoot um loves everything but pulls on the leash how's your heel oh shoot etc because here and the reason why i'm saying that is because it you, you already told me like oh she went crazy at this one golden or whatever and then immediately tried to play with this dog so you're dealing yeah. with leash reactivity and if your obedience and this is this is just a common thread that i i this is the conversation okay. that we have is like that's what matters the most okay yeah all right i think this gives me a good idea of what i need to do with her um i really appreciate your time it's yeah. it's you know i think your videos are really helpful too um i did follow the ones for work working with the e-collar with her so um all right well thank you so much yeah, you're welcome. Good luck with everything. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast. We're going to get right into your questions. This comes from Learning As I Go 92. Amazing content, five-star review. Tom, I found your videos and podcast about four months ago, and I'm a huge fan. Really appreciate all the efforts. I'm just going to get to the question here. Question. This is an eight-year-old uh, German Shepherd Lab Beagle Mix. When we're on a walk and he's on his break, he tends to scavenge and eat other dogs' poop. (laughs) That's gross. And then uh, others haven't picked up since coming off the Prozac. I've noticed him becoming more stubborn and pushy about, and it takes more leash pressure to redirect his attention because of this. I'm moving to a Starmark plastic pinch collar. My question is, is first an obvious one. I'm I'm assuming I shouldn't correct him. Wow. I assume I should constantly correct him. Yes. When he's eating other dogs' poop. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's not only gross, but it's, uh, not healthy and it's dangerous because your dog can get sick and so can you and everyone around you. When I correct him, should I use a verbal cue or not? Yes, I would use leave it and just correct the dog. Um, any other tips on troubleshooting, managing the behavior, collar introduction? Well, it sounds to me like right now you're walking this dog in a flat collar. So the plastic pinch is going to give you a safer, more well-rounded approach, which is going to be very helpful for you guys. So there's that. I think you're going to see dramatic change because of that. Um, You guys will see some dramatic changes in some of our tour uh, content coming up on the YouTube channel. We had this one dog from uh, Oregon that we were working with that dragged her owner across, uh, traffic and almost got everyone hurt. And she ended up into the ER and it was really bad, but she was also walking this, you know, hundred pound muscle close to the ground type of thing on a harness. So that's exactly what is supposed to happen, unfortunately. So we introduced the prong collar and it changed this dog's life and the owner's life forever. So I think you're going to see huge, uh, benefits from, um, from this uh, as you continue uh, to use the plastic pinch. So that's my uh, answer. Thank you for listening. SoCal Hunterfish. Next one is Lifesaver 5-star. Hello, Tom. I found you last year, and I've really helped the wife and I train our dogs. We don't skip on your YouTube or podcast. Two existing 
and new German Shepherd, oh, sorry, German wirehead pointers. Our German Rottweiler is now leash trained and does not react to other dogs. Um, from the leash training, brake commands, and general training, you are the best. I can't ever recommend you enough to people have an issue. Thank you. Question. Our new German our new German wire hair pointer is a lovable and working dog. We have him for bird hunting and antler collecting, and he's doing fantastic. One of the questions would be, as with our two acres of land, he may not come sometimes due to looking for rabbits and chasing bugs. Any tips and tricks on helping him recall every time we work with him for about 10, five to 10 minutes? Um, uh, tools, slips, prong collars, e-collar, placemat. Thanks, Tom. Um, I would say that if similar to this podcast that we talked about, if you're giving your dog too much space and your obedience isn't good. So say you have like level one obedience out of five and you're asking your dog to do level five, that's probably what's happening. So I would shorten up your recall to make sure that it's, it's your dog is coming. I wouldn't let your dog off leash if they're not recalling a hundred percent of the time. So I would go back to the proofing. And then also obviously like the remote collar will hold your dog uh, accountable. Like we've talked about many times and that will be uh, really helpful as well. So uh, I'd say e-collar conditioning and also then your um, just your overall obedience. I think that if your dog is out there making mistakes still, maybe they shouldn't be completely off leash. All right, next one, Lola Rose and Co. You're you're saving my sanity. Five-star review. I stumbled across this over a weekend and I immediately bought tickets to the Kickstarter course and it's helped me with my 11-month-old rescue who won't stop lunging after my cats. The house has been divided by baby gates in almost six weeks since I've got him and I have literally... 2.5 2.5 days of understanding impulse control and my training has changed night and day. He is normal. He is Norman and is loose. Wow. He's losing interest in the cats. He's becoming so much more secure in his home and confident and it's been great progress. The horse metaphors are great because I also have an Arabian horse and the leash pressure makes all the sense in the world. My question is, do you have any cat in home specific tips or impulse control, uh, a blanket for everything? And please help me break his couch surfing habits. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and finding us here. We appreciate that a lot. Um, we're really happy that, uh, it's, it's helpful for you. I would say, you know, the cat and dog are, are obviously a very common, um, uh, cat and mouse type of thing. It's very natural for dogs to be chasing cats. Um, I, I don't have anything generally. I would just say that if your dog is, um, genuinely like excited and stimulated to chase these dog or chase the cats and, um, get excited to do these things. Um, your obedience is what's going to matter the absolute most, because if you're telling a fish not to swim, it's going to be very difficult. So again, it's, it's like, you know, Hey, your dog is really excited to do these things and you have to do the absolute best you can to say like, Hey, leave it or no. So to me, it's just basic obedience. I mean, you have a, well, advanced obedience. You have an 11 month old dog that wants to start chasing the cats. Some, I do have podcasts with cats. I don't know what, what they are, uh, but we do uh, talk about it. And, uh, you know, I think the cats also will have to do a little bit of sticking up for themselves to make sure that, you know, it's like, Hey, knock it off. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be obedience with leave it because your the thing is, is the the dog is going to like do this play bow like, Hey, 
let's have fun, let me chase you, and the cat's going to go game on, boom, and then run away. So you're never going to stop that because your cats are, it doesn't matter if they're actually trying to play or they're running for their life. Um, they're in, they're basically triggering this your dog's, um, you know, uh, prey drive. Um, so again, I think it's, it's going to come down to control and just understanding that you may have a, jo- a dog that innately is going to chase cats because that's what they do. Um, and your job is to be able to, um, you know, use obedience to say like, Hey, knock it off. Um, because you may never get the dogs to be disinterested. Um, but you can teach the dogs to coexist with these cats, uh, through obedience. And I would say, as long as your dog isn't like actually trying to hurt them or whatever, which is common, um, then I think you'll just have to manage it because it's like, Hey, how do I get my dog with a prey drive to stop chasing my cats? You're not. Um, I think if the cat turns around and swats the dog in the face a couple times, that'll be helpful. Um, so that's my two cents on that. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate you guys a lot and we'll talk to you next week for sure. I'm going to keep hammering away in these podcasts and get them out every week for you guys as usual. Trying to get back to the schedule next week of Mondays and Wednesdays, uh, as the holidays approach. I know everyone's life gets kind of hectic, but I appreciate you guys more than ever. Leave a review if this is helpful and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.